Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So um, you know, obviously, uh, about the tensions uh, over the, uh, the war in the Middle East. Um, and uh, there are plenty of tensions in the United States right now with uh, different groups that are protesting. Yeah. And there was a group uh, in New York City, uh, a pro-Palestinian group. And there was a passerby who happened to see it. And that is one Alec Baldwin. Yes, and uh, you could say he was, if he was initially a passerby, he suddenly got right in the middle of this entire demonstration because he came face to face with one of the demonstrators who asked him a question and Alec clearly did not like the question or the tone of the question and ended up going nose to nose with this guy. What do you mean? Guys and shows, everybody got your mind made up. You better question you got, right? Oh, that's your question. I'm in Hollywood. Is that your answer? Is that your answer? You ask stupid questions. Ask me a stupid question. You know, wow. uh, if not for the fact that there were NYPD uh, officers who were standing right there because of the demonstration, and I think they clearly saw when Alec Baldwin started walking through, there was a potential for, for trouble. For, for trouble. trouble. Yeah. And, and you literally see this officer that kind of separates the yep. two. So he was proactive there, but they were in each other's faces. Yeah, you can really see what happens here. I mean, the city's kind of a powder keg. There's lots of tension in the city. There are these demonstrations all over the place. And Alec is a bit of a powder keg, you know, and it's just waiting to flare up. He has trouble controlling his temper in these situations. You can see that he gets agitated. And when he starts moving towards him, you can tell he's he's flipped that switch into being very, he's, very I, upset. I want seeing red. He is, but I want to say something. Like, Alec Baldwin, as he said, was walking through. If someone doesn't yell at him, nothing happens. And I, I get that what Alec Baldwin should have done is just ignored the guy and keep walking, but it wasn't like he went looking for trouble. Well, it doesn't it, appear like the that. Guy, it was a stupid question the guy asked. Right. I mean, it, it, a stupid it was a comment. loaded question. Yeah, I mean, you're from Hollywood. You so must you be supporting must. Israel. Right. Um, but, and by but, the way, supporting is, Israel is even a very ambiguous thing to say. What, right. supporting Israel when Hamas slaughtered 1,400 people, or are you talking about what Israel's response was? It was just, you must be, you must be supporting Israel because you're from Hollywood. It was dumb. Right. It was, it was. dumb. And, and I just think that Alec Baldwin probably would have just walked through if nobody yelled anything to him. Um, as he said, he was, at, what was the report, Derek? He was going to a, an acting class or something? The report <laughs> is that he was walking through town trying to get to an acting class, maybe to mentor some, some rising actors or something like that, but he wasn't looking to go to to the demonstration. Right. He wasn't, he there wasn't angling to be part of for it. a fight. He was walking across the street and, you know, he has a reputation. Maybe the guy wanted to get a rise out of him. Who knows what the circumstances are, but he got he got a reaction from Alec. He just saw red. 
He, yeah. I mean, he just saw red. So look, I mean, that's kind of the state of things. I want to tell you something that I saw last night. And I, I was so interested in this. I, I, I'm a big Rachel Maddow fan. I think she's incredibly mm -hmm. smart. And, and, and she did this whole thing last night on the attacks on synagogues all over the yeah. country. And it's just one after another, after another, after another, with bomb threats and, you know, and, and, and airports, which didn't necessarily align, but a lot of synagogues. And, and she was talking about this, the growing fascist movement in the United States. And what occurred to me, and she didn't get into this, is it's coming from both extremes right now. That it's coming right. from the right, for sure, this, this whole fascist movement that's growing, but also from the left, right. there is this attack on Jews in Israel. And I was thinking about it when I was watching the show. Can I don't can remember I seeing- Can a distinction? To, yeah. I think that from the left, it's coming more at Israel, and from the right, it's coming more Toward Jews. at Jews. Now, I understand that those circles <laughs> overlap. Well, they overlap in a big way when you say, yes. when, you, when you say by any means necessary, from the river to the sea, right. that means getting rid of all the Jews. Right. So, I mean, I get your point, but, but right, I'm saying what their what their ideology is at the outset. Now, I get that in the they end up yeah. meeting in the middle. It's just to, to see the two extremes that do meet in that middle. Um, right. I don't remember seeing before. Hey, this is Stephanie Dolce, and I am from Nyack, New York, which is 30 minutes outside NYC without traffic. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, last night in um, NYC, we have Alec Baldwin doing Alec Baldwin things, which is confrontation. Um, he's obviously walking through the the protest and someone shouts something stupid at him. And he, instead of walking away, which I think he personally just should have walked away, um, he gets into a scream match. I thank God that the police were there because you don't know right. what would have transpired if the cops were not there. Um, I see that anger management has done him very well because he is he's always confrontation. So I think he just should have walked away because that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, but you could just see that he's all red. It's the smart yeah. thing to do, but you know, someone triggers you sometimes. Some people can't walk away. Okay, we are going to move on. Yes, uh, to Guy Fieri, who has an interesting. Um, oh God, that rule for that parenting. Looks so good. We're talking about his parenting, not okay. about his cooking. Okay, but that looks. Um, really good. Although I guess it sort of overlaps. That looks really good. He, he talked to uh, guy was talking to Fox Digital uh, about um, a rule he has in his house regarding. Look, guy is extremely successful. He, he just, just signed, signed a hundred million dollar contract with Food Network. Right. So he's also very wealthy. Um, he has there are three kids he's raising. Uh, one of them uh, belongs to his late uh, sister. But he's raising these three kids, and he has a rule for them that is not necessarily sitting well, has to do with their education and his money. My dad says, when I die, you can expect that I'm going to die broke, and you're going to be paying for the funeral. And I told my boys, none of this that, we've been, that I've been building are you going to get unless you come and take it from me. My youngest son, Ryder, is a senior in high school, getting ready to graduate, uh, or you know, going to graduate in the spring. And he's like, Dad, this is so unfair. I haven't even gone to college yet. And you're already pushing that I got to get an MBA. He says, can I just get through college? I'm like, hey, you know, it's if you want, Shaq said it best. Shaq said it about his kids one time. He says, if you want any of this cheese, you got to give me two degrees. Well, my two degrees mean, you know, postgraduate. So they're on their way. 
I don't know about that. So you got to have two degrees. You got to have two degrees. So you got to get a BA, and then you got to get some kind of a master's or JD right. or something. I, I I like Guy. I know Guy I a little guy. bit. I think he's a good dad and all that. But this is so misguided, in my opinion. I mean. Look, if you want to go and you want to become a physician or you want to become a, a, an attorney, I understand schooling is something that you need. You need you need a college degree. But there are so many jobs out there. You have we're having this big debate about student loans. You've got millions and millions of students who graduate with this crippling debt and they end up getting a job not even okay, in the field. But that's, they hold on, but, that, but Mike, that's not going to be guys. Kids are not going to have crippling debt. But, he's going to go, but, they're going to go to school. He's, they're going to go to school. He's going to pay for it. Why he's paying for them. If he, only, if, he, if he only goes to but college. Why are we making it seem like the only way to be successful, we're, the we're only not measure saying, of success, He's not saying is. that's for everybody. He's saying that for my kids, this is what so, I want. So, he would not be proud of his kids if they were to start their own business. Here's the problem I have with this. That, yes, if he wants his kids to get a master's degree or a JD or an whatever, that's fine. But the fact is, if you're, if you're dangling this carrot and saying, you're not going to inherit my money unless you get two degrees, they may get the two degrees for the wrong reason. That, you know, you should go because you're motivated to become a doctor. But in, or, become a or, in order to get those degrees, right? they have to learn something. And they, and I, 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 listen, I think this is brilliant. Uh. He has dangled the carrot and said, go to school and you're going to get this. But while they're getting the schooling, they may actually decide, you know what? I want to be a doctor. I want to be. Uh, Charles, uh, I want to be a research. Don't follow, uh, what, if, what if they don't follow what they're actually passionate about and they go to school? Imagine no, if Guy Fieri had gone is, to college. Is, no, and he's right. Followed he's absolutely passion. right. He's but, absolutely but, but hold right. Hold on, but then they could they could certainly say to him, you know what? I've decided I want to do this, and I don't need to go and get two degrees for that. It's like he's and I'm going to be happy doing that. But then, he's, the but then they're cut out. Dollars. But then they're cut out. Okay, but they want to be happy. But okay, they want to be happy doing what they're doing. But so I would, make, I would assume that guy wants him to that's be happy too. But I understand that's that. a choice for them. But why would that sounds reminiscent? Of <laughs> but <laughs> but but it's. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is a choice. You can choose to go get your two degrees and get dad's inheritance or you something you really want to do. But I don't think he wants to present it as that kind of a choice. I think what he's saying is... I think is, he did present it. Well, I know, but I think when you really think it through, if this kid has a passion that doesn't involve graduate school, guy should allow him to inherit. Guy, you're doing exactly what you should do. It's your, they're your kids. You raise them however you want. It's a choice. I love it. Hi, I am Latoya, and I'm actually from Ohio, and I do not agree. What is the point as a parent of making all this money if the children can't enjoy the fruits of you being a good parent? I do not agree. Uh, they're going to go to school, and Dad's going to pay for it. They are enjoying the fruits. Oh, speaking of they food. They are definitely enjoying the speaking fruits. Speaking fruits. Go back to the picture of that food. That Wait. looked delicious. Oh, the, when he had the table. Yes. Floor. Oh, my God, that looks good. Well, very sad to say we have some devastating news to share about Celine Dion's uh, progress in her battle with stiff person syndrome. Um, I think we were talking about this, just that everyone's hopes were really raised we last summer when we saw her um, uh, at a, a hockey match in Vegas. And the Canadians, her home team, were in town to play the Golden Knights, and she went and met with the coaching staff, and it just and she looked seemed, good. Looked so and then good. I, and then I believe she was at a concert afterward. Yeah, the next uh, few day or so or two after. Seemed like things were yeah. perhaps trending in the right direction. 
but her sister Claudette uh, just did an interview uh, where she said, uh, right now it is not good and that she has lost all control, muscle control at mm. this point. Um, and it's, you know, if you don't know what this, this uh, syndrome is, basically your muscles are in a constant state of spasm. Uh, and think, just, think of having a cramp that doesn't last a minute, it lasts a couple of hours. Right. And that's what she's going through, it's just awful. And from this interview, there is a little bit of hope. Her sister does say that Celine still wants to return to the stage, obviously unclear at this point when that would be, but that is some promising news that she is making that comment despite sharing the, the awful news too. Yeah, well, I, there's I think, no cure for this. Um, yeah. And as far as we know, not even treatment, I mean, it's, it's just a really, I, I gotta say, you know, with all that goes wrong in life, mm -hmm. that when you have your health, it, it, is, it is like winning the lottery. It yeah. is like winning the lottery. When, when the you older, think about all the things that could happen, from health problems to accidents, to crime, to all of that, and the idea of making it through to whatever point you're at, it's remarkable. I mean, yeah. it is one of the most remarkable things about life. And when you see something like this, somebody in their prime just, you know, devastating. And remember who was actually gonna be going out on tour last year, right before she found out that she was battling this and then ended up had, had to cancel, or she, at that point, postponed it, being optimistic that she would be able to get back on the road. And it is nice, I know what Brendan's saying, the fact that her sister is saying that Celine still wants that is, really great. I think the sad part of that for me is that, yes, her body is having these spasms and she can't control it, but her mind is sharp. So she's right, fully aware of what's going on. And we just, everyone's hoping and praying for the best for her, really. Hi, Shanique from Jamaica. And I must say that it's bittersweet that we are celebrating the 26th birthday of Titanic the movie, which gave us the soundtrack that stars mm -hmm. the one and only Dion, who now has to fight harder with her support against that debilitating condition that we were just informed about. But we know she's a powerhouse, so I have no doubt that we will see her performing again, and that beautiful voice will go on. Yeah, I mean, that's the wish, but yeah. it's going to be tough. Uh, okay, we are going to move on. Yes, uh, to Madonna, and, um, and she's opening up about her own medical struggle. Uh, you know that earlier this year in the summer, um, she had fallen ill and ended up having to cancel uh, or postpone the beginning of she her tour. She almost died. Yeah, and now she is actually opening up about what she went through. Uh, during her concert last night, she's been playing several nights in Brooklyn um, as she starts the U.S. leg of her tour, but she opened up about what she was going through back in August, and it's I think we knew that it was bad, obviously, because she had, had changed the entire tour she schedule. She was in an ICU for a long time. And she we knew that. She almost died. But here's the detail yeah. that she revealed last night. There's one very important woman who dragged me to the hospital. I don't even remember. I passed out on my bathroom floor. I woke up in the ICU. And uh, thank you, Siobhan. I was, I was in an induced coma for 48 hours and the only voice I heard was his. I heard him say, squeeze my hand. That's it. A couple of things I thought about when I first came, became conscious. 
and I saw my six incredible children sitting around me. By the way, I had to almost die to get all my kids in one room. Yeah, this is crazy, you guys. This is the first time we're hearing that she was actually in a coma. And kind of like you guys said, we knew it was very serious, but now we really know how remarkable it is that she's overcome being in a coma and going through this horrible infection that she had um, to now being on tour again, which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, she, this is not the first time she's talked about kind of what she went through in her health scare. She has spoken about it to um, one of the concerts in the past saying she's still not 100%. But, you know, I think people will take any kind of percentage they can of Madonna because she's just Everyone so Everyone said that the, the show itself has been amazing. Um, although there were complaints on that first night in Brooklyn that she no, it's supposed started to be, late. It's supposed to be a great show. But even that night, they said the show was great well, when so, she got out there. So now that she's okay, mm -hmm. I just, I, I can make light of something here. Here we go. Okay, well, I mean, you know, Madonna is not... 30 anymore. And when when she well, well, what what are you trying to say when you say she's not 30? I'll tell you what I'm I like to when say. people say that. You don't want to say well, I can what say her that. age. I can is. say that now. Yes. So <laughs> she used to come out on stage and she, you know, would be raunchy and edgy and everything right. else. Talking about at a point, sexual escapades. At a point you get old enough. Now she's talking about, oh my doctor and my this and I had that happen. <laughs> I mean it's just I don't think she'll do it every night. <laughs> well, but, I don't know, but we'll it, see. it's just it was it was it 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 tickled it me. It struck you as yes. something you could relate to. I can totally relate to. Hey guys, what's up? It's Anthony aka Warby here out of Miami, Florida, and um I'm sure that we can all appreciate uh, Madonna giving us that insight on that vulnerable time of her life. I'm glad fast forward to see that she's, you know, touring again, back doing her thing. Uh, on the stage and, you know, making the people happy again. Yep, absolutely. Um, and apparently the show is great. How's this for a metaphor? Vanilla Ice, Rob Van Winkle, yes. is the music world's onion. That there are still layers. 30 plus years later, so many layers being peeled back on this guy's life. And I read a story this morning that just Absolutely blew my oh, mind. Oh, I read it too. It is the best story of the day. Uh, so we are thrilled to say that he is joining us right now, the man, the myth, uh, to talk about his connections to Pablo Escobar, who apparently was like a good buddy <laughs> back in the 90s uh, in Miami. This is an incredible story. Uh, Rob, welcome back to TMZ Live. How you doing, man? Hey, Rob. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to be here, man. I know I, there's many chapters to my life and when I was racing boats back in Miami, I lived on Star Island for like 14 years. And it was right at government cut. And I was always into motocross racing. I'd race anything. I still do. I'm very competitive. I love that, you know. And uh, we would go to a place called Fort Apache, which is uh, 188th Street. And that's where all the stories from the cocaine cowboys to all this stuff that most people know of today. But it goes much bigger than just that, you know. That's just the kind of uh, Netflix, you know, stories. There's mm -hmm. a whole bunch of the cocaine cow cowboy stories that are all over this 188th Street. And uh, they knew that I was into racing boats. And back then, we didn't have, you know, uh, Google. You couldn't check people out. And you really didn't ask anybody what you did for a living. <laughs> and it, it, it was just, you know what? People had money. It's Miami. I mean, I, for Christ's sake, I live next door to Don Johnson, directly next door to Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith. The irony of you're living next to the star of Miami Vice. Right. <laughs> yeah, Pablo Escobar would stop by to talk racing boats with you. 
unbelievable chapters. <laughs> I could sit on the front porch with you guys and tell you story after story, but so, yeah. So do this, like just set the scene of how you encountered him, what you talked about. Um, it, it's just a great story. So you don't know anybody, and Pablo was into racing boats, I was into racing boats, and he really did a lot of great things for the boat industry because the money he spread around to, uh, I guess, traffic the drugs also spread into the racing boat community. So a lot of my racing boat friends that used to come to the... Uh, you know, races with a, an old beat-up pickup missing three hubcaps, you know. Now they're driving Ferraris, and people have money. They got, you know, amazing stuff they never had before. And it's like, what's going on? So the boats got faster. All of a sudden, all these new uh, uh, molds are being made for fiberglass and new materials like carbon fiber and uh, just horsepower after horsepower race and a lot of money going into it. So... Uh, Pablo actually, you know, they all that money and, 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 and stuff was going into the boat racing community, which I was a part of. Do you think, looking back, and I'm not asking you to name any names, but do you think, looking back, that some of those people in the boat racing world who suddenly had much faster boats were being asked to do things, pick up some things maybe for Pablo? Absolutely, and um, they were dredging certain areas and stuff around a place called Beer Can Island, which is right out of the cut coming in, uh, out of Hallover, and you could fly through this thing called Beer Can Alley, and if you don't know where the shallow parts are, you run, in, you run ashore. So I knew all these because they would just take me through there, and I'd go, whoa, 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 don't go through there, man, we're going to hit shore, and they would laugh. They have a snake <laughs> path that they go through there for the drug runners at midnight, they have special boats that are all made of black, you know, carbon fiber and super horsepower race boats. I mean, this was the craziest time of my life, and I just thought they were all racers. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Well, no, okay. I, I mean, they were no racing. Okay. They were Literally. racing. Just, I lived in Miami before that, and um, I know that it, this kind of became a hub for drugs. And uh, did you ever see anything where you said, Oh, that's what's going on here. Right at the end of the whole mess, when I uh, was talking with my good friend Juan Almeida, he was sweating profusely, and he go, I go, what's wrong, bro? And it wasn't even that hot out. And we were at the uh, Fort Apache Marina there, eating on 188th Street. And, uh, and I, he goes, don't turn around, there's a guy back there with a spy pin on. And I go, what? A spy pin? And I go, maybe that'll explain why the FBI was asking me questions. And he goes, he goes, what did they ask you? And he goes, they asked me why I took $1.7 million in hefty bags in cash and loaded it up in the front of my Ferrari and in the front seat. And then I tried to deposit it. He goes, why did you do that? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's unbelievable how many things and, uh, that I just was clueless to back in the 90s. And you don't ask questions, and you're just racing boats. And uh, I was basically, you know, young and dumb. And that's, that's what it was for me. I just look at it like, God, what a moment of my life. And then all of a sudden, I saw the submarine story. It's called the Odessa Project. And uh, in the Odessa project, they tried to buy a Cold World submarine. They actually did purchase a Cold World submarine from, from <laughs> Russia. So they had a small submarine that was moving some drugs back and forth from Ecuador. And then they said, let's go bigger so we can uh, get more. And uh, it was $30 million. They had it done and uh, red flag to everybody. And that kind of sent out the message. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people got busted and went down, and this was where the story, The Odessa Project, which is on Netflix, I guess, and stuff, and they go, one of the questions in there, they go, 
uh, the, the, one of the Russian guys, he goes, so how did uh, all these guys meet each other? Like, how did Juan Almeida meet Tarzan and, and all these, uh, these guys? And, 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 and they mysteriously, in the show, they go, believe it or not, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. They were all over at my house because I lived at Government Cut. So I had time, all kind, every time I'd fly in, they would come over with helicopters and maybe like 10, 15 race boats sitting in my backyard on Star Island, ready to go right out of the cut. Because that's where, that's where you can go out in the ocean. And the waves were huge because you could jump the cruise ships. They had giant waves. Oh, my God. And it was amazing oh my times, God. man. You're crazy. <laughs> I love the hefty bag was the tip-off. <laughs> oh. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for being with us, man. Uh, we so can't wait to hear it at the next chapter. Right. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. I wish you all the best and uh, all the best for the holidays, everybody. Yes, man. You, you too, too, Rob. That is a crazy story. I love that. A life lived to its fullest. No kidding. Know? No kidding. Uh, we're taking a break. All right. When we come back, Matthew Perry's death, we now know that he had an incredible amount of ketamine in his system, the, the amount that surgeons would use for anesthetics. So the drug ketamine, there are people still defending it. Addiction specialists who say it has done miracles and will continue to do so for people battling depression and addiction. You will hear from one of them when we come back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to TMZ Live. I think since the uh, details of Matthew Perry's autopsy came out last Friday, a lot of people have been looking up the drug ketamine, trying to find out what this is. Um, as we told you, uh, the uh, medical examiner, uh, after conducting the toxicology, found that there was a very high amount of ketamine in Matthew Perry's system. It, now, was, it was in the middle range of what anesthesiologists use for surgery. Right. So it looks like which what is, we should say what ketamine is. It's an anesthetic, and it is used when used properly in surgery. It can be used as an anesthetic, but it is also used to treat depression, depression. anxiety. Yep, it's also a recreational drug. Right. And um, what happens, and what may have happened here, is that he sunk either into unconsciousness or he was extremely disoriented that caused him to drown. Right, because he was in the hot tub at the time that this amount of uh, ketamine was in his system. But the, there are people in the, uh, in the medical world who say they really are concerned that ketamine is going to get a black mark uh, now that people are reading this about Matthew Perry's death. Um, and we spoke to an addiction specialist, a therapist named Dr. Zaid Fadul, and he said this is why he continues to use ketamine uh, and says that it is extremely effective when used properly. I don't think it's fair to say he died uh, from ketamine. Uh, if you use Xanax in a hot tub, you could drown. And if you are drunk in a hot tub, you could drown. In fact, if you're just in a hot tub for more than 30 minutes, you could have possibilities. That's why you see the warnings on hot tubs. So I, I don't know if it's really fair to say ketamine killed him. Um, I think 
the key thing here is, you know, respecting any any substance you, you use for whatever reason. You have to respect the possibilities of, of things going wrong and doing it in a safe environment and doing it with, you know, support is always the right approach. As somebody who's used ketamine in the past uh, with patients, I've seen the response. I've seen the safety efficacy profile. Um, I feel very comfortable, you know, continuing to use it. You know, I got to say, I was surprised. We broke the story about the autopsy report. And when we were writing it, I was kind of stunned that they, that they said, said the cause the of death was, cause, was right. ketamine. He died from drowning. Ketamine was a contributing factor. But, I, and, and obviously, look, I'm not, the, I'm not the medical examiner, so they we, know what we they're were, doing. I know you're saying. We were talking about this yesterday, and I believe in the report it says that there was not water. There's a certain amount of water that would be in the lungs if drowning were the primary cause. So it's almost like they're saying that his his breathing had slowed so much that maybe he would have died if he wasn't in the hot tub. I don't see it that way, having read the report. I think they're saying that the ketamine disoriented him to a point where he just slipped into the water. Exactly, and to your point, Harvey, I think what the point he's trying to make is that this doctor has used ketamine infusion therapy with a lot of patients that suffered from depression, struggled with substance abuse, and has had a lot of positive results. And he's kind of saying, you know, these, you know, the headline will be, you know, ketamine killed him, and it might, you know, some people who haven't re done the research will be like, oh, I'm definitely not taking this, and he just thinks that it should still be a li uh, viable option uh, for people with treating these things when it's treated under, you know, a doctor's supervision yeah. and in, in the right setting. Happy holidays, everybody. Um, when it comes to this conversation, I find it a little bit uncomfortable and unnecessary uh, for these physicians to center themselves in this conversation and make it about protecting this drug um, when inadvertently they're doing the same thing to Matthew that they think is being done to the drug. So they want the public not to judge this drug harshly and think that it causes death. But what you're doing is now infusing doubt into people's minds about Matthew's sobriety when we should be celebrating his legacy. Doctors should have these conversations behind closed doors with their patients. We always confer with them and get the right advice. But I personally just found, find the whole um topic of conversation distasteful, uh, given that this is a great legend that we all loved and adored and brought us so much joy. That is absolutely true, and but I, I, I got to disagree with you a little bit that, you know, with propofol and now with ketamine, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh my God, it can kill you. It's really useful for depression and anxiety, which are huge issues in this country. And so I think it's reassuring people that right. when it's done properly, um, it it, there's be. a lot of value. Yeah. Okay. We are going to move on. Yes. Moving on to uh, a famous face you probably won't be seeing at Madison Square Garden. Unless she pays. Unless she pays. Talking about Emily Ratajkowski and how she has run afoul of folks at Madison Square Garden. So she and uh, Irina Shayk, another supermodel, were at a Knicks game uh, last month. Now, if you don't know this, when you watch, if you see a Knicks game, they show all these celebrities sitting courtside. They call it Celebrity Row. A lot of those celebrities are comped those seats, that the Knicks contact them and say, we have a seat for you, would you like to come? They show up, they smile, looks great for the cameras. And they dipped out before the game was over. And apparently the Knicks take it very seriously and they expect you to stay there for the entire game. But they left a few minutes early uh, on a night when the Knicks had an incredible comeback against the Heat. Um, and they are now saying, Sorry, 
No more comp seats for you, Emily. It's kind of less the Knicks and more of James Dolan, as I'm sure you're aware of, Charles. Uh, uh, everybody in the sports world already knew this. I think Emily and, and the uh, entertainment world is about to find out. But James Dolan is known to be extremely petty in these kinds of situations, <laughs> uh, uh, to say the least. Uh, Charles Oakley is one of the greatest Knicks of all time. And James and him got in a big falling out and, and just over, like, criticism. You know what I mean? Anytime right. you criticize him or slight him in a little bit, it, it becomes like this. He's now uh, apparently banned Emily from coming to a game because she had to go well, when she she can, from, she can pay. She can pay. She can I, still but, go. But these she's seats never these seats never come up for well, sale. All right, so she's not going to sit court. She'll sit in the okay. nosebleed section. <laughs> she, she's I don't think she'll be in nosebleeds <laughs> either. But 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 the point <laughs> being is, is he's known to be thin-skinned like this, and a lot of fans have even done this. If you come to the game and you chant uh, "sell the team," he kicks you out, and you're no longer allowed. So uh, uh, it's 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 sad that uh, uh, the celebrity world is now going to have to figure this one out. But the sports world has long known this. As you I'll wear know. a black ribbon for the supermodels. These okay. <laughs> Jonathan Majors will not be sentenced uh, in his assault case until February, uh, but as we said yesterday, he now faces up to, I think it's unlikely, but he could get up to a year in jail after being found guilty on two of four charges in the assault case involving the dispute he had with his now ex-girlfriend in the back of an SUV in New York City back in March. The bigger story right today for Jonathan, uh, regardless of whatever his sentence ends up, is what it's done to his career. We told you that he's already been dropped. Disney uh, dropped him from the Marvel series. In a nanosecond after the verdict. Like that. I mean, they clearly had their statement ready. They knew that the sentence was coming down, and they had decided clearly that if it was guilty, they were going to get rid of him. So what can he do going forward? Is his career really over uh, once he gets past the sentence, whatever it is? Uh, does he have a shot to come back in Hollywood? Joining us right now, talk about that is Molly McPherson. She is a crisis communications manager, uh, works uh, with a lot of people in Hollywood when they're in trouble, and she knows how to get out of it. Uh, so Molly, uh, thank you for joining us here uh, on TMZ Live. It's good to be here. Are we going to talk about how he can possibly get out of it? Well, yeah, but I, I want to first find out where he is right now. So this verdict is interesting because they did not find him guilty on the core issue, which is what happened in that Uber. What they found him guilty on is pushing her um, once, he when, gotten out. once he had gotten out, and there's video of that. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, and we'll talk about the strategy there, because the lawyer knew that video existed. Right. And you're playing with fire when you see that video, but he still went to trial. They could have probably copped a plea, but given that the core case, which is inside... Um, they did not find him guilty. Is that any is that a salvation for him, or is he done right now? It's very difficult in these cases because there are two cases that are happening at you know at once. You know, there's a legal case, and in the court of public opinion, they get to determine how they view him coming out of this as well. What's difficult for celebrities when they run afoul legally is that their lawyers have to deploy every legal strategy to protect them. But typically that comes with a consequence and a cost to their reputation. So even if they clear something, there's still going to be collateral damage from a reputational point of view. So it is going to be very, very difficult for him and to navigate this uh, post-case and conviction. So after he serves a sentence, whatever that is, if you were working with him as a client, what would be your advice as, how do you start to slowly 
Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think you see a major studio hire him next year, but how do you start to build your way back so that you can have or, a or career still? Yeah, you know, this playbook has changed dramatically. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, kind of even in the pre-social media age, you would go 100% into legal, and then the next step is you would just slowly rebuild back um, a reputation. But nowadays with social media and have and public opinion weighing so heavily in these cases, it is very, very difficult to overcome that. So is he going to be able to be an A-list star again, you know, star, you know, starring in Disney movies. Very, very unlikely, particularly because he went with the defense of blaming the victim. No one gets away unscathed when they blame the victim. That's the choice that his lawyer made. So now the only hope to his career to come back in any way, shape or form is to take some accountability. And when you do that, you can still find your base and people who will support you. So maybe he might come back at a lower level, but to be this A-list Marvel Disney um, actor, highly unlikely. So, you know... <laughs> There are two things that happen in this trial. One is obviously the guilty verdict. I think in terms of long-term damage, there was something that was more damaging than the verdict. And that's the text, the audio, the, the audio of him talking about, um, I'm a great man, I want a great woman like Coretta Scott King. I think that was so cringy, um, not just for the studio, but for you know people on social media that that almost seems like a bigger obstacle than pushing her in the car. And not, not that there's any excuse for that, but I think just hearing that is going to be tough for him. Yeah, because nowadays people have this type of evidence. It's not just hearsay. They're seeing, they're hearing. They, they, it's as if they were almost there. And they can't unhear that, you know, that type of audio. It is very, very damaging. So let's say a year down the road, maybe two years, um, does an independent filmmaker say, you know what, I, I think this guy is a great actor. I'm going to put him in a role um, where people can just see that he acts. And he does what you recommended, Molly, which is to take some accountability. Is that the path back for him? Is that the only option he has at this point. The public needs to be able to feel like they can trust him again. You can't be a, a superhero or play a good guy when everybody knows, you know, historically, you know, what's happening there. Uh, so it will be up to him. But I think, you know, legally right now is is probably the bigger issue that he has to that he has to deal with. But from there, he'll have to see reputationally what he needs to do. But where we are right now in time, it can change. I mean, anybody can decide to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Molly, we really appreciate Thank you it. so much thank for the you. insight. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate she, it. She's right. You know, the thing that is that has really changed now is that because of the internet, all this, even if he takes accountability, there will always be someone who's going to bring up that video. There's yeah. going to be someone who brings well, up that audio. And, and, and think about it, because right. without social media, there are no cameras in the courtroom, and it becomes, I'm not saying private, but right. it doesn't have the impact it would have with social media. It doesn't live in the it. minds yeah. of the public yep. the way it does now. Mob Wives star Renee Graziano, uh, she had checked into a rehab facility recently, uh, decided that she needed to get some help, and she was at that facility when uh, she got in contact with Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom reached out to her. He has some rehab facilities. He has rehab facilities. He said, if there's anything I can do to help you, to support you, please let me know. Well, now Renee has left the facility that she was at before, that she went to initially, 
and she's now checked into one of Lamar's facilities here in California. Uh, where she is getting um, more treatment. So I spoke to Renee's rep, and although she's leaving this facility in Texas, the rep really wanted to make sure that we're clear that Renee had benefited greatly from being at that facility and is now 40 days sober. Uh, the reason why she wanted to go to Lamar's facility is because they specialize in trauma, and you'll recall that Renee's dad died a few years ago, which I'm being told has taken still a very severe toll on her. She hasn't completely recovered from that, so it sounds like that Lamar's facility is a better fit for her right now. Shout out to Renee and Le Lamar Odom. Um, I think Lamar realizes that after what happened to him in 2015, I think he uses everything he has for goodness for people to help them. So shout out to Lamar for doing that. Yeah. I think this is a great thing that he's doing. You are so right. Yeah. I mean, we, exactly, we when he reads a story and connects with it, he immediately, and it's not only celebrities, but certainly but think about he reaches out. Where he was and where he is now, yeah. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, what else you guys want to talk about? It's Mo Lynch from Battle Creek, Michigan. And to talk about the Guy Fieri situation, see, this is a, a, a game of, of chess. You know, if I was in these kids' shoes, I'll get my two degrees, and then, Dad, you got to give up that bread to invest in my rap career. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That, that would Listen, you say, those are the rules, Dad. That's Those good. are the rules. That is good. <laughs> okay, one more. It's your boy, Saint. I'm out here in Atlanta, Georgia, enjoying this weather, and I just want to send a shout-out and a prayer to Celine Dion, man. I heard what's going on, and I hope everything gets right. You know, she's a she's an icon. She's a legend. We still need her around, you know. Shout-out to Celine Dion. You, yeah. The world needs to hear Celine Dion sing again. I know, this is just, it's such a sad story. Who do you think is more thirsty? We're gonna show you something here in just a second. Is it, is it David Beckham who's more thirsty or Victoria, they are joined his wife who shot the video and posted it? They are joined at the hip in this one. <laughs> well, yes, that's what a lot of people are thinking <laughs> when they see this maneuver. So Victoria posted this, said, oh, David's just doing his morning workout. I think she said something like uh, push-ups with Loverboy over here. Now those aren't your typical push-ups. They're not, it's actually a yoga uh, but what, stretch. What, I'm trying to figure out, what is it for? What it's is it more of a stretch. It's a, so it's just stretching? Imagine your lower back and other things. Uh, <laughs> but you know why she's doing this. Of course she knew exactly what she was do, doing. Nothing to do with exercise. And she nailed it because all the comments are definitely sexually charged. There um, are none that are not. Yeah. There are none that are not. And if there were, she probably deleted them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not what this is for. <laughs> okay, guys, we will see you tomorrow.